Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. Praise God. Okay, now we're going to continue with our study on expressing the Kingdom of God. Um, this is going to be part number three. You must remember. Expressing the kingdom of God, part number three. Uh, I don't know how many of you are consistent in going back to the studies and getting through your notes uh, so that you can fully be able to express what God is speaking to us. Uh, it's very vital that you do that. Praise the Lord. Amen. And uh, the subtopic I'm going to be dealing with today is compassion. Compassion. As those who are born into the kingdom, as those who walk with the spirit of the kingdom. Uh, you mustn't forget the scripture says, those that are born of the spirit of God, we are actually like our father. For the word says, as he is, so are we in this world. And so when you come to that understanding, you begin to see that you ought to live your life based on the character and the nature of God. For the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And scripture says, those who serve God in this way, they shall find favor with God and with men. Hallelujah. And this is a very, very important subject that I need you to critically examine even as we go through it. So part three. So therefore, in expressing the kingdom, the kingdom we are talking about is to represent or representing the reality of the kingdom in wealth or state of being amongst men. We're talking about Living a life where you can be able to reveal who God is to men. Um, now it makes it to, to be made known. That is to make known the opinions or feelings of oneself as a kingdomite in this present evil world. It's to make known the feelings, you know, as somebody who is in the kingdom. Amen. Let me show you something from Amplified Translation. I mean, Message Translation, Ephesians one. Let's look at verse 22. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 22. Hallelujah. If you can find it. And he said, we go back to verse 20. Let's take it from 21. All this energy is flows from Christ. God has raised him from the dead and set him on the throne in deep heaven. And the next thing is, in charge of running the universe. And everything from galaxy to government... No name, no power, exempted from his rule. And not just for the time being, but forever. And then he said, he is in charge of all of it all, has a final word on everything at the, same, at the center of this all, Christ rules the church. And then the next thing he says, the church you see is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts by which he fills everything with his presence. So you carry God wherever you go. And that is to say God said he's speaking through the church meaning you don't expect one physical being to come talk to you as it were that being Christ. Is right now within you. Then as he manifests himself through you, you've been glorified and he has been glorified. Amen. 
And I need you to understand that passage because it's very important. Now, when the Bible says, thank you, when the Bible says the church is not peripheral to the world, the world is peripheral to the church. What it means is the church is not the outsketch of the world. The world ought to be the outsketch of the church. What he's saying is like the children of Israel. They have the Ark of Covenant, I mean the tabernacle, at the center of the children of Israel. And then they come around. This, the, you understand that? Now today the church is the center of the tabernacle, if you will. And all the wall are supposed to be around the temple. So it means it is the church that was supposed to dictate what the world does. It means the church is where people are supposed to take example from on how to live. It means whatever the church says, that is what the world ought to work by. But let me give you an example. Um, you, you know the book of Exodus, let's look at verse 28, chapter 28, 1 and 2. That's what I'm looking for. 28, 1 and 2. Um, okay. The Bible says, And thou shalt make upon the breastplate at the end of weather, work, and pure gold. No, I said verse 2. 28, verse 2. Right. Take it from verse 1. And it says, And thou shalt take unto thee thy brother and his sons with thee, from among the children of Israel, among the children of Israel. That's a separation from amongst people. And then the Bible says, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. And how many of you understand the church is the priesthood of God right now on the earth? And the next thing says, even Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, Eliezer, and Itamar, Aaron's sons, the priesthood. Then the next thing he says is, and thou shalt make holy garments for them. Right? And thy brother Aaron. And for what? Glory and for beauty. The priesthood has a way of dressing. That reflects what is God's mind. I just need to tell you this. I'm not a fanatic religiously. I'm not a Puritan. But one thing is simple. God is not intending the world to control you. You are supposed to control the world. And so when you go to market, somebody in the kingdom, and then you buy jeans that are all destroyed. And then you walk to church and walk in the street. You are a disgrace to the kingdom of God. You are supposed to dress the royalty. The dressing ought to be a thing of honor. Don't you ever make the mistake of saying, I'm not defined by what I wear. And people quote for you the book of Samuel. And he said, when God was to anoint David, God said, God, don't look at the outer appearance. Then you need to understand what he was talking about. He wasn't talking about the dressing that Holy was putting on. Holy of the senior brother of David was tall and very huge. And so Aaron, and that is also why you should understand somewhere rather, that for people to claim that their prophet they cannot make mistake, they're telling lies. Samuel was, the Bible tells us, none of his words 
fall to the ground. That was a mighty prophet known in Israel. But when he came to anointing David, he poured the oil upon somebody's ass head. He made a mistake. Are you still there with me? Why did God say no to Holyab? Holyab does not have the mind of shepherding. He doesn't know the person God was anointing was to take care of his people. A Holyab does not have the heart of a shepherd. But David had the heart of a shepherd. So God said, wait for David who takes care of the sheep. That's how I will be able to take care of my people. A Holyab, you can be so tall, full of energy if you will, but you cannot manage my house. That is why the scripture says, God, look not the appearance, but the heart. So don't dress tattered in the street and say, God does not look on the appearance. God does. Why do you think in the book of Proverbs, God said, you must not dress up in the attire of a harlot? That means God is interested in the way you dress. So there's an attire, with the attire of a harlot. And there's an attire which suits the people of God. If you take time to watch, sometimes, help me now. You see, you go to a hotel or in the night, you see the way prostitutes dress. Am I right? They dress to tell you they are prostitutes. Their dressing tells you they are prostitutes. So why do you dress the same way and claim to be in the kingdom? It means the prostitutes in the world are the one controlling you. But the Bible says the wall is not peripheral to the wall, I mean the church. But the church is peripheral. I mean the wall is not peripheral to the church. The church is peripheral to the, to the wall. By that I mean the church ought to be the one that dictates what happens in the world. So friends, I want to appeal to you today. Don't spend your hard-earned money to buy trousers that are torn at the nail and you call it fashion. Your head is not correct. You need a change. You need repentance. I'm talking about kingdom values. And you must understand that. Are you listening to me? Praise the living God. You see sisters when they dress up. All their back, their arms, they are open. And then you see their brazier right there. Why do you call it underwear? If it is underwear, now you make it outerwear. It's stupid. It doesn't make sense. Are you still listening to me? Your appearance matters a lot. In expressing the kingdom of God. Oh, come talk to me. If you want to go preach to somebody and all your trousers are torn, all your underwears are showing like ladies, how can you tell the people? What are you going to tell the people about? In fact, if you speak to some people, they will ask you to go and dress up. That means the world is dictating who you are, who you should be. They know better than you do. I'm appealing to your conscience. Friends, sisters, brothers, I'm appealing to your conscience. Don't let the world control you. Are you listening to me? Some of you think, unless your hair is Rastafarian, you have to make it coil, barb it like that, and that's what gives you shape. That's what makes you sell your product. You just don't know what you're doing. Are you listening to me? Uh, a lady recently went to um, this national ID card office, wanted to go get registration, and they saw her coming there. All her trousers are torn, the normal way you're wearing now. And what did that happen? The officer brought a needle and a tread. 
As he saw it up, then we attend to you. The world controlling the church. That is not the man in the church, but he saw that there's virtue that each and every one for more to carry. They gave the guy a needle. The girl. Sew it up, and then we attend to you. It's about time you tell some people to sew up. Are you still there? Praise the living God. Alright, so far so good. Now, what I'm dealing with this morning, like I said, is compassion. What is compassion? Compassion is very character and the nature of God. So the word compassion means to be sympathetic consciousness of others distressed together with a desire to elevate it. That's compassion. Compassion is sympathetic consciousness of others' distress together with a desire to elevate it. That is compassion. It means sorrow or the capacity to follow sorrow for other suffering misfortune. Treat the homeless with great compassion. I need you to understand what compassion stands for. And if you must understand when the Bible says, as he is, so are we in this world. We're going to look at the life of God if it's a compassionate being. Thailand's def- definition on this world says, to be moved as a one's bowels, right? Hence, to be moved with compassion. Have compassion for the bias with thoughts, to be the seed of love and pity. It means to have the bias yen that, to feel sympathy, to pity others, and then to move with compassion. In other words, you see people's situation, something begins to stir up in your spirit to be of help. And I begin to tell you that actually you've come into the kingdom. When you see people being oppressed and you don't think anything about it, you have not yet imbibed the spirit of the kingdom of God. And let me explain this again to you. We just read that God is sovereign on the world, absolutely truth. But the point is this the world is not necessary in the kingdom of God. Why is this so? If the world is the kingdom of God, it will not ask you to seek the kingdom. If the world is the kingdom of God, it will not ask you to be born again. Are you listening to me? So the kingdom is different from the world. There's a sovereignty of God. There is the kingdom of God. And that is why I say, seek ye for the kingdom of God and its righteousness. If the world is the kingdom, then you have no need to seek. And for you who have been able to sort out the kingdom, God intends you to live out the values and the principles of the kingdom. Because through your lifestyle, he explained to others who God really is. I gave us an example here some time ago. A missionary went to a community, a village. And then he spent all of his life and died as a missionary. And he was so used to the community, he was so friendly with everybody. And there comes a time, by the time he's died and buried, another missionary came to the place and was trying to talk about Jesus. And they said, no, we know Jesus. He lived with us. If you doubt us, come. Let's go show you his grave. And the man said, no, the man was a missionary. He said, no, that is the only Jesus we have seen. And he has what it takes to be called Jesus. So let's go and show you the grave. 
That's the impact that this missionary had in the life of the people. I wonder one day if you miss the place, somebody will want to say Jesus was here. That's what you need to think about. When you leave this world, who will remember you for who you were as a Jesus carrier? How will they treat your absence? How will they feel your absence? That you once live and then you left the scene. What we're dealing with is not something you're going to experience tomorrow when you go up to heaven. We're talking about heaven coming down and being expressed by men who are born into the kingdom. Are you with me? I need you to check your spirit as I speak so that you will know who you are and who you ought to be. All right. Like I said, compassion is a character of God. So go with me to Psalm 86, verse 15. I love God. I don't know about you. I love His mercy. I don't know about you. I love His goodwill. I don't know about you. And the scripture says, if you must follow me, if you don't hate your brother, your mother, and sister, you cannot be my disciple. What that means is not the kind of hatred that we have. He's saying, except you love your relation more than me. I mean, if you love your relation more than me, you cannot be my disciple. Christ is a priority in terms of love and the expression. Psalm 86 verse 15. But thou, O Lord, art a God, full of what? Compassion. God is full of compassion. And gracious, long-suffering, plentiful in mercy and truth. And then I want you to pick it because it's very important. If we be the children of God, we ought to have the virtues of God. Am I correct? If we be the children of God, we ought to live the way God lives. God intends us to manifest His glory. You see, Jesus said something. If you see me, you've seen the Father. Now, the Bible is telling that God is full of compassion. So the question is, have you come to that place where your life is truly full of compassion? Do you turn away your face from others when they are in trouble? Do you pray for others when they are in terrible situations? Are you just self-conscious but not people-conscious? You are yet to walk in the kingdom of God. Is somebody paying your pain? Is somebody sorrow your sorrow? Especially those in the household of faith. Do you see your brother getting through terrible pressure and you don't think of what to do to assist? You are not walking in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Psalm 145 verse number 8. 145 verse number 8. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and of great mercy. Check out those descriptions. He's full of compassion, he's slow to anger and of great mercy. Do you have that in your life? Outside of being full of compassion. Think about that. Do you have that in your life? Are you slow to anger? Think about it. When men offend you, when men say things to you that seems not to go well with your spirit, what's your reaction? God is slow to anger and full of compassion. And one of the qualities I'll make you see of compassion 
is forgiveness. If you truly be a child of God, you must come to live in this kind of life. Life that is very gracious, full of compassion, slow to anger, and of great mercy. Mercy for those who offend you. Mercy for those who wrong you. Mercy for those who despisefully use you. Do you have compassion? Do you have mercy? What is your anger like? Your rating. The speedometer of your anger, how does it read? Very fast or slow? Be slow to anger. Hallelujah. But of great what? Mercy. Think about that. Let's describe essentially what this compassion is all about. Look at Isaiah 49 verse 15. From the life of God. Compassion. Isaiah 49 verse 15. Can a mother or a woman forget a suckling child that she may have not compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget, yet I will not forget thee. God said, I give him back to you. God said, I'm your father. God said, I'm just like your mother. If anything happens, no matter what you do, have a place for compassion. Have a place for mercy. Have a place for sympathy. That means have a place for forgiveness. That is God's life. So many of us will not be alive today because of what we do. Because of what we've done. But the mercies of God, the compassion of God, keeps us going. Are you compassionate? Are you such that you easily get offended? Bible says be slow to anger. Be slow to anger. You're a man, you're a woman. Be slow to anger. Don't do things out of anger. That is not God's way of life. That's not the way of the kingdom. Praise the living God. Am I helping anybody? Areas at which you express compassion. Look at Matthew chapter 9 verse 36. Matthew chapter 9 verse 36. And this is what it says. But when he saw the multitude, that Jesus now, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad, a sheep having no shepherd. When he saw the people, he was moved with compassion. Something began to move in his mind, in his bowels. The bias of mercy, which has to do with love, began to move. Are you ever stared when you look at people's condition? And here he's saying, they are like sheep without a shepherd. Meaning, by reason of your compassion, you ought to be providing leadership for those who seem not to know what to believe or believe in wrongly. Do you see people sometimes and see the way they act? And you begin to realize that this is not the way the children of God are supposed to be acting. Do you feel any pain when you see people believe what ought not be believed? Do you have any compassion in your heart towards those who have left the way? And you might probably think of bringing them back. Have you come to that place? That's how to express the kingdom. You see people who are in need. You see people who are... You see, most times they are not just in need. They don't have somebody guiding them right. Have you taken time to see what you can do so that they can come into alignment with God's mind, intent, and purposes? Have you come to that that's how to share compassion. 
That's how they show the compassion that our father ever demonstrated. Here is Jesus demonstrating exactly what the father had. He had compassion on the people. For they were like sheep scattered abroad and without a shepherd. Are you sure you have people around you who truly have a shepherd over their lives? And how many of you understand that if you want somebody to Christ, you are a leader in that context? Because the person will be looking at you. The person wants to emulate you. The person wants to trust you. Why? Because you led the person to Christ. Automatically you become a pastor to that individual. And if you become a pastor to that individual, it simply means you have to live an upright life so that the fail of those people will not fail. Is anybody understanding this? Give me Hebrews chapter 13 verse number 7. And I'll come back here. Hebrews 13 verse number 7. Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow concerning the end of their conversation, their lifestyle. Take it from their NIV. Let's look at that. They say, I remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Everyone you want to the Lord, you are a leader. What's the next thing? Your life dictates how they live. If you forsake the Lord, you are likely to make them to forsake the Lord. If you cheat on people, you are likely to make them cheat on people. If you insult people regularly, they're looking unto you because they imitate you. You begin to insult people regularly. Your life is supposed to be the written word that men can read without you going to the Bible. Are you listening to me? I'm trying to appeal to your conscience. I'm trying to speak to you as to how you can express the kingdom of God. I'm trying to make you see that with the life you live, more people will come to God. I'm trying to tell you that even your smile can bring people to Christ. Are you listening to me? Look at Matthew 15 again. Verse 32. So your life is an example of leadership. In your place of work, you can be a leader. Praise God. Now here the Bible says, Then Jesus called the disciple unto him and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they continue with me now three days and I have nothing to eat. And I will not send them away fasting, let the faint on the way. This compassion of the homeless. These are those who are hungry around you. And yet the Lord has blessed you with abundance. You are meek. I mean, you meant to seek them out and care for them. Jesus had compassion on them because they were hungry. The first time I had compassion, they have no leadership, nobody to follow, no example to follow. The second example I see here, Jesus saw that these people were hungry and he had compassion on them. That's kingdom lifestyle. When you live your life, who do you truly feel you can be of help to? I was speaking to somebody when I was in Benin and she was discovering certain things and I told her, you ought not to live your life that way. This is the way God intends us to live. And after that she said, I thank God I did the right thing. I said, what was that? He said, my wardrobe was full. And there was no space for them anymore. So I decided to get out of the clothes and take them to our furniture home and to mother let's baby some. I said, that's exactly how to live. You have to look at the poor around you. You have to be able to minister to them. Don't forget, 
Anything you do for the saints is going back to God. Give me Hebrews 6 verse number 10 or 10 verse number 6. Hebrews 10 verse number 6. Hallelujah. Sorry. 610. Look at 610. Praise the Lord. Look at it. But God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love which you have shown towards his name in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. Take a very simple translation. Hallelujah. God doesn't miss anything. He knows practically well and above you. I mean you've shown him by helping needy Christians and that you keep at it. God will miss it. In other words, when you're helping needy Christians, you have your record before the Lord. If you're helping needy Christians, the Lord take notes of what you're doing. If you're helping needy people, the Lord knows how best to reward you. It's not unfaithful and it's not unrighteous. How is your life like is my question. How many people do you support? How many people do you assist? Have you even noticed somebody who is low among you? So that you can be of help to that individual. The Bible says God does not miss out in the little thing that you do. Especially when you do it to the household of faith. Am I communicating to somebody? And need you to get this or understand. Entering the kingdom requires values and virtues. I'm going to intend you to reveal them so that you can enter into the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Go with me to Matthew 20 verse 29. Matthew 20 verse 29. The Bible says, And as they departed from Jericho, the great multitude followed him. And behold, two blind men sitting by the way said, when they heard that Jesus passed by, cried out, saying, Lord, have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. And the multitude rebuked them. But they should not, that they should not, they should hold their peace. But they cried the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, that son of David. And Jesus stood still and called them and said, What will you that I, I mean, what will he that I should do unto you? They said unto the Lord that our eyes might be open, or may be open. And so Jesus said, I mean, we're told that Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes and immediately their eyes received sight and they followed him. Hallelujah. Compassion will make you to open the eyes of people. Those who are blind to the things of God. Those who have an understanding of scriptures. Compassion will make you that is why it's not about arguments. You don't argue with people when it comes to the word of God. They may have their own opinion, but by the time you discover that they are in ignorance, you must be close enough to them to explain to them why they must not believe what they are believing. Are you still there with me? Praise the living God. So this is the point. How many people have you noticed in your family, in your community, even in the church, that doesn't know how or what they ought to know. What is your role towards them? That is compassion. That is where you begin to bring in more people to knowledge. Remember, the Bible tells us 
The knowledge of the Lord shall cover the earth. As the waters cover the sea. How many of you remember that? And the father in Jeremiah said, I will give them pastors after my own heart that will teach them knowledge. And so the essential thing about pastoring is to give knowledge to people. And so when you come to your place of being a child of the kingdom, and you see people who are not walking in the light of the kingdom, it's your responsibility to minister to them. That is how compassion is expressed. I'm asking you even at this junction, do you have compassion? How many people do you really see that are walking the wrong way? And you, in a sympathetic way, with compassion, try to guide them to the right way. Give me Hebrews chapter 5. From verse 1 and 2. Hebrews 5, verse 1 and 2. For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sin. Who, have, who can have compassion? Who can have compassion upon the ignorant? And on them that are out of the way. For that he himself also is compassed with infirmity. Now, the point I want you to pick there is, the priest is someone who ought to have compassion. Now my question is this, who are we? Bible refers to us as a royal priesthood. A holy nation. So where is the bile of compassion flowing through you? As a child of God. Where is the bile of compassion flowing through you? As somebody who has received light. Think about it. Are you there with me? It's not a saying, not enough to say we're a royal priesthood. No. And then there's something you need to, don't forget here. The Bible says they offer sacrifices on behalf of the people. That is your prayer life. How many people do you pray for? Because they're out of the way. Instead of condemning those you think they're out of the way, pray for them to be restored. That is your ministry as someone that has compassion. You don't condemn people because they backslid, if I may use the word. You don't. What do you do? You pray them back into the household of faith. Your prayer becomes sacrifices that you make. Is anybody following what I'm talking about? You don't gossip those who have left the faith. No, 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 no. That's your role. Not your role as a priest. You go into prayers for their sake. Out of compassion for having left the light, you want to bring them back. How do you do that? You pray for them. Don't condemn people when they backslide. Don't rule out people when they backslide. Don't forsake people because they are forsaken the Lord. Your role as a priest is to pray for them. And the only reason why you do that is because you have compassion on those who have left the faith. How many people do you pray for? How many members do you really intercede for who are not in church? How many times have you spent time to think of a member of the church and pray for that individual? For those who have been in church and they are no longer there, how do you feel about it? Where be your compassion as a royal priesthood? May God help us. And then the next thing, Second Chronicles chapter 36 verse 15. I'll show you. Glory to God. Second Chronicles and chapter 36 verse 15. And the Lord God of their fathers sent to them his messengers, rising up bad times, and sending. The Lord bless you. The Lord bless you. 
Hallelujah. Rising up bad times and send them. Because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. Can you get that? He had compassion on his people. So he sent messengers every day to go cry out. Come back home. Repent. What drove God to do that was the compassion he had on the people. Don't forget this. As he is, so are we in this world. We ought to have the character of God. These are people that have left the faith. And God inaugurated a system where he sent these people out every morning to cry, to tell them to return back to the Lord. Because when they return back to the Lord, everything they seem to have missed, God is going to provide for them. When they return back to the Lord, God becomes their father. When they return back to the Lord, they begin to live on inheritance. There's a big difference between living on inheritance and walking to inherit what they're supposed to have. God is our father. And the earth and the fullness thereof belongs to the Lord. So when you walk in this spirit that I'm describing for you, the things you are seeking for will begin to come your way. Even if you are deep business, it's easy for you to excel, to excel, to succeed. Why? Because you are living on the principle of compassion. That's how you express the kingdom of God. That's how you cause people to realize that there's a God in the midst of the people. Are you still there with me? Joseph was in Egypt. He saw the situation. He handled the economy. He had compassion in the system. He was able to restore what should be restored in the system. In your place of work, if your business is not doing well, if those who employed you, they are not doing well, do you feel pains? Do you think of what to do? Do you pray for the people so that the business can pick up? That is compassion. Do you take the business as your business, even though you are employed? At that moment that you are employed, take the business as your business. If the business is failing, be sure you are there to intercede. Are you still following what I'm talking about? You see, go to the children of Israel, pray for the peace of Babylon. Because if they have peace, you will have peace. Plant houses, I mean, build houses, plant trees, give your daughter house to work. Somebody is going to be here. But one thing I intend you to do is to pray for the people. If you are employed in a company and the company is not doing well, it's not your duty to say I'm resigning. It's not your duty to say anything you want to say about the company. It is your responsibility as a child of the kingdom to pray for the success of the company. Am I communicating? I need you to understand how God works. Church is not about coming and receiving. Listen, as long as you can seek the kingdom, all the things that you need, they will come your way. Jesus is seeking for the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things shall come unto you. God's word cannot fail. God's intent cannot fail. God's purposes cannot fail. I told you here on Wednesday. Remember when I was preaching number eight? I mean, if you remember that. I made it to understand 40 people wrote the Bible. Now, five is a number of grace. You multiply five by eight, you get 40, which is the word of God. Five times eight, 40, which is the word of God. It took 40 people to write the Bible. So when you begin to walk in the word, you are receiving grace and a new beginning. For eight, it's a new beginning. It's a new season. How many of you remember that? 
Very good. This is why the word of God is so important to us. That if you can walk by what God is saying, if you can walk by the dictates of the word of God, those things you're seeking for, they will come your way. Anything you're asking God for, if our scripture says, before you pray, I've answered you. Now how many of you begin to say, one of the reasons why our prayers are not being answered the way we intend it to be answered is because we don't have compassion on other people. We're not thinking about ourselves. Even when God is instructing you to do good, you don't think about it. God is instructing you to do something. It's for your sake He's instructing you to do that. But most often we don't think about what God is saying. That is why we are failing. How many of you remember the widow of Zarephath? She had one last meal with her son so that they can die. But God wanted to raise that individual. And the Bible says, verse 9 of that chapter, he spoke to Elijah and said, I've commanded a widow to feed you. Are you sitting there with me? Now the commandment is not something known to the woman. God didn't come down and tell the woman, feed Elijah. But there's something behind the scene that he has instructed. Now the woman was acting on the power behind her. And it was for her good. So as soon as she was able to get to Elijah to do what she was supposed to do, she got enough oil, sold those oil, pay off the debts, and had more than enough to live on. When you have compassion on people, because in this inside you begin to see that Elijah needed compassion. He had no food. He'd be working for 40 days. I mean, if you understand what I'm saying. But she was able to release Elijah. And what's the next thing that happened? She was greatly rewarded. Who are you? How many people do you have compassion on? Who are you? Those who are not in the faith. How many people do you have compassion on? Compassion takes out of the place of evangelism. And that's part of what we just see here. Praise the Lord. Let me try to hurry up because we need to dedicate these kings. Look at Jude 21, the book of Jude, chapter 21. I faced such challenge when I was going through this and the things the Lord was trying to show me. I faced such challenge as to whether we're actually living the Christian life. I faced such challenge whether we're actually in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Jude 21 and it says, Keep yourself in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And some of them have compassion making a difference. And these are the same with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments put by the flesh. Can we take the verse in the translation? Verse 21. What did I say? Yes, 21. 21. Hallelujah. Say right at the center of God's love. Can I hear any man to that? <laughs> and one of the things that qualify God to be a compassionate father is because he has love. Stay right at the center of God's love. Keep your arms open and outstretched. Ready for the mercy of our master, Jesus Christ. This is the unending life and the real life. Next translation, I mean passage. Go easy on those who hesitate in the faith. Praise the Lord. That's the compassion. Is that okay? Go easy with them. Don't insult people. Don't gossip those who have left the faith. Go easy with these people. What's the next thing? He said, go after those who take the wrong way. Praise God. Be tender with sinners. 
but not soft on sin. The sin is her stinks to high heaven. Praise the Lord. But I only to pick that. Go after those who take the wrong way. That is priesthood. Is that okay? Hallelujah. I need you to pick this because very vital. I need you to understand because even at home, husband and wife, you may see the man acting differently. It's not in your position to condemn. It's not in your position to go gossip your husband to somebody else. It's not in your position to gossip your wife to somebody else. It's simply going out of the way of what binds marriage together. Any man going out of the way qualifies for your compassion. Am I talking to someone here? You don't fight to get things right. You don't quarrel to make things work. Anytime a man is doing something that is not right, he is walking out of the way. Anytime a woman is doing something that is not right, she is walking out of the way. And for whoever is walking out of the way, that individual is qualified for what? For your compassion. Praise the living God. If you can understand this thing I'm talking about, you should be able to know precisely what we're dealing with. You should be able to know precisely the peace can reign in our homes. The love can reign in our homes. Because it's a faithful God. And the word of God is here and amen. Are you listening to me? Begin to think compassion towards all those who offend you. Begin to think compassion like Christ was. Remember when he got to Jerusalem and he saw what was going to happen. The Bible says he wept. He got into a realm of compassion. Seeing the judgment that is going to come to Jerusalem. That is the way you are supposed to live. Praise the living God. Alright. Look at Psalm 78 verse 38. But he. Psalm 78 verse 38. I said 38. Or do we don't have it? Okay, I'll read from my translation. There we go. But he, being full of compassion, talking about God now, forgave their iniquity and destroyed them not, talking about Israel. Yea, many a time turned his anger away and did not stay off all of his rights. How do you see that? Many a times, because he's full of compassion, he forgave their iniquity. So compassion brings forgiveness. Hallelujah. Are you here? Compassion produces what? Forgiveness. If you don't know how to forgive people, it simply means you have no compassion. If you don't learn yet to forgive people, it means something big is eluding your life. The spirit of compassion. If you don't know how to forgive your husband, to forgive your wife, to forgive your children, you lack compassion. Compassion goes with forgiveness. Praise the living God. I'm trying some few months now to set a marriage. The man has really gone out of the way. He's gone to the point where even when his children talk to the man, the way you are treating our mother is not right. He stopped paying their fee. <laughs> he will start paying the fee of the children. The next thing he said, go to your mother see if you are supporting her. But when you go into the genesis of the matter, the woman is not totally at fault. But why will you, as a man, not have pity or compassion, not just upon your wife, but upon the children? 
You don't prove you're being a man by how harsh you are to your family. You don't prove how to be a man or a woman by being stubborn and harsh to your family. That does not bring peace. That does not bring joy. And I've always told you this. God doesn't intend to give you a man or a woman. And because, see, as a man, you can do anything. What I mean by that is, you can put your husband in a family way. I mean your wife in a family way. Even a man in the street. But what do you need? You need a husband. What qualifies a person to be a husband? Somebody who loves. The Bible says, Dear husband, love your wife, even as Christ loved the church. You don't pray for a woman. You pray for a wife. Why did I say that? The Bible tells us precisely, a prudent wife comes from the Lord. But not just that. It made us understand, wife, submit to your husband. So if the wife is submitting, and the man is loving, where be the devil? Like destroying the community. If your husband is not acting well, go to God in prayer. Are you still with me? Praise the living God. Let me say this to you women. You don't use oil in a bottle to turn your husband to God. It, that's not going to work. For him, it's going to be like an insult. But what do you do? Your husband is sleeping. Lay your right hand wherever on the head of the man and start speaking in tongues. Don't shout. Don't make noise. You are impacting spirit into the life of this man. And what happened? A change will come out by the, man, the time the man wakes up. You have a compassion. You are trying to say, this is not the way my husband was supposed to be. You are trying to say, no, this is not the way my wife is supposed to be. All you need to do is to pray. All you need to do, and then while you pray, pray with the spirit of compassion. And that is to say, you are forgiving them for what they are doing. But you are restoring them for what they have done. Amen? Let's say this final scripture. First Peter 3 verse number 8. Am I helping anybody? I need you to come to that place where you begin to see that your life is meant to be lived out on compassion. Now look at you around you. See students who have no school fees. What do you do? He that had compassion on the poor. He that lended to the poor. Lends to the Lord. And he shall go to his own reward. Let's look at this. 4 Peter chapter 3 verse number 8. Finally be all of one mind. Having compassion one of another. Love as brethren. Be pitiful. Be cautious. Can we take it from another translation? Anything you want. Praise the living God. To conduct, I mean to conclude, you must all have the same attitude and the same feelings. Love one another and be kind and humble with one another. Do we have this kind of spirit? To be kind and humble? To love somebody else? Hallelujah. Are we still together? I need you to understand what God is talking about is your compassion. You see people having an issue around you. You hardly can take up responsibility and say, I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to do this for you. You don't do that. That is not a child of God. That is not somebody who lives in the kingdom. No. You're far away from God's kingdom. You're far away from the reality of the kingdom of God. 
God intends you to love. God intends you to manifest compassion to everyone who is in a state that requires sympathy. And again, I repeat this. If your husband is foolish, you don't need to curse the man. Pray for the man. Are you still following me? I'll give you this illustration. I think it happened in the US. There was a lady that went to church. And then she was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then she got back home and started speaking in tongues. And the husband said, no, come on. I'm not interested in this. And the woman could not stop because she was under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And so there comes a time he went back to the pastor that prayed for her and got baptized in the Holy Ghost and said, this is what is going on. My husband is in trouble with what is happening around me and I can't stop. And the man is threatening to pack out of the house if she will not stop speaking in tongues. And the pastor said, okay, this is what you do. In the night when he is asleep, put your hand on his head and start speaking in tongues. But make sure you don't wake him up. And the woman went back home that same night, lay hands on the head of the woman of the man and started praying in tongues. The man find, find himself as if he was dreaming. He got out of the dream and discovered that he was not speaking in tongues also by himself. And the next thing he said, show me your church. Right at that moment, he was converted. Compassion. You don't need to fight because your wife doesn't understand what you're doing. God has a way of turning your wife over to you. He has a way of turning your husband over to you. But you must have love. You must have compassion. Praise the living God. First John chapter 3 verse 17. We shut down here. First John 3 17. But whoso hated the world's goods. I mean whoso have the world good that you are. You possess in the love. You possess in properties. And see at his brother. Have need. Hmm. And shut up his bowels of compassion from him. How do I let the love of God in you? You can't say I love God. You have all the money. You have all the resources. Your brother have need. And you shut your bowels of love toward that individual. I mean, how are you proving that you love God? How are you proving that you have love? God said for you to prove that you have love is to maintain the spirit of compassion in helping those around you that have needs. Are you still there with me? No, you tell me how much love you have. Look at the clothes you're putting on. Look at those who don't have. Look at the wrist watches you're wearing. Look at those who don't have. Look at the shoes. How many pairs of shoes you have in your wardrobe? And you have your brothers in church who have no shoes. How much compassion do you have? How much love do you have? And you know what? You keep on saying, I'm walking, I'm going to make heaven. Well, the road is open. Let's see how you're going to get there. When you can live on the simple life, God has instructed you to live. You want to go to heaven? How do you go to heaven with stinginess? God is not stingy. How do you become a child of God going to meet the Father and stinginess is smelling all over you? I bet you God is going to send you back. Until you fulfill the things that you are supposed to do, you don't have access to the Father. 
But those I mean, who have good, the world's good, those who have money, those who have wealth, and see as a brother have need, and there's something that, until you watch out, you can see. If this man is going to do good, he must first see those who have need. My question to you is this. How many people have you really discovered that have need in the congregation? How many people have you discovered that have need all around you? When you discover that they have need, don't shut up your buyer of mercy. Manifest compassion. But that way so doing, we are seen as the children of God. Are we here together? I need you to catch what I'm talking about. Listen to me. Praying for you and falling down is beautiful. But that doesn't make you grow. Look at Ephesians. And I close here. I'm sorry. Ephesians 4, reading from verse 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some te- evangelists and some pastors and teachers. And the Bible says, for what? The perfecting of the saints, to mature the saints. For the work of the ministry, so that they be the one to do ministry. How they do ministry? They go out to win the souls. They go out to talk about what Jesus or who Jesus is. Right? For the edifying of the body of Christ, edifying means to build up. Edifying means to, to erase, to erase the structure. And then, till we all, everybody say, till we all. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of that knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So what he's saying is, the fivefold ministry is meant to raise us to become completely Christ-like in our attitude, in our character. Hallelujah. And look at the next thing, verse 14. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men. And cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to do what? To deceive. This is the excess of ministry. Any thought you attend to, and it can cause you to grow into the fullness of Christ, it's not doing the work of ministry. Any church you attend, where all that you need to hear and see is going to be going through the pastor, you are not doing what you are supposed to do. You are not in ministry. You are not in a good place where you ought to grow. God intended you to grow to be Christ-like. God intended you, not when you get to heaven, right here, so that you manifest Christ wherever you go. Christ was full of compassion. Christ was full of love. Are we together? The Bible said the five ministry, there's an excellence. And so if you are in a ministry, for instance, where only the pastor is the one that sees vision, only the pastor is the one that can pray for people, only the pastor is the one that can hear from God, you just sit down there like a dummy. That is not church. God intends you to arise. It's not talking to one man, it's talking to the body of Christ. God intends you to come to the place where you walk as Christ on the face of the earth. I've explained this to you before in Exodus 20, 18 to 20. When the children of Israel said, yes, we will do everything God commanded. But later they said, we don't want you to talk to us. Talk to Moses and let Moses talk to us. And so they had no faith. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now everything they are going to hear will come from Moses. So Moses was the middleman between God and himself. In the Garden of Eden, 
there was no middleman. It was God and Adam. God is returning so back to the same principle. That you can hear God for yourself. And when you begin to hear God, you can walk in love, you can walk in compassion. Because it will make you see those who are in need. It will cause you to see those who are supposed to support. How many times have you heard God directing you on what to do? How many times have you heard God directing you on where to go? Think about that. The Bible is making us understand we'll grow up to the stature of the fullness of Christ. I call this vertical growth. There's a big difference between vertical growth and horizontal growth. If the church is full as it is now, and you can't hear God for yourself, you have just gotten a horizontal growth. You have a lot of population. But those growing to become like image of Christ, you don't have it. I don't call that church growth. Church growth is to edify those you are ministering to. And that's why I keep telling you in this house, for me, the greatest thing I owe you is to cause you to begin to hear God for yourself. Praise the living God. Do you understand what I'm saying? So I need you to come to the place of compassion, people of God. I need you to come to the place of love. This is the virtue of what? The kingdom of God. Remember, we are dealing with expressing what? The kingdom of God. You look at yourself. You look at your family. You look at your wallet. And think, what is God asking you to do? So that you can be exactly who he was. And who he is right now. But because of him, the church can hear him and see him. Like I said before, children of Israel could not enter the promised land. Why? Because they have no faith to enter the promised land. Because faith comes by what? Hearing. And hearing by the word of God. Anything you're doing, if faith is missing, you're likely not to get the result of what you're doing. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.